0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 26 of Woods and Waters Project Podcast. I'm your host, Steph, and it's just me today. It has been five or six weeks since my last podcast post, which is about four or five weeks too long. I always get this <laughs> anxiousness when I don't post every uh, couple weeks on the podcast because I love it so much and I really enjoy talking to all the guests that I've had. And I've thought a lot about having individual episodes and I've had so much going on this last five or six weeks. I thought maybe you guys would want to hear about what I have going on. But first, how are you? Like, really, how are you? How 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 is your mental, emotional, and physical health right now? I feel like this year has been crazy and stressful and has really been hard for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons outside of COVID and political uh, craziness. And I just hope that everyone out there is taking time to take care of themselves and their family and what's important. And I'm hoping that this has been a time to really reflect on things and what you want in your life. And I know that it definitely has been for me. And with that comes time to pause and slow down which is really hard. Uh, I think for me in particular I have so much I want to do with my life and I, I find a lot of joy in a lot of things and I'm passionate about a lot of things and so I am constantly on the go and I think I love that about myself but also I need some time to pause and reflect and slow down and that's part of some of the gaps between episodes is just really taking time for myself and getting some clarity, but I have been pretty freaking busy. Uh, like I said, it's been six weeks since the last podcast was uh, posted, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about what I've been doing because there's been a lot of cool, cool shit that I've done, cool people that I've met, and I think this is the place I should share it. I think you guys will appreciate it. Some of you who follow me on social media, see me post about it, have questions, want to know more about it. So I'm going to tell you what's been going on. First, I'm going to talk about coon hunting and how that's been going because since episode number seven, I have been coon hunting on a regular basis and I cannot believe that that is true, but it is. And since October, I entered my first coon hunting competition and a couple more since then. Then I want to tell you guys about my road trip to South Carolina. Jacob and I drove down to South Carolina to meet up with some friends and do a little deer and hog hunting. Uh, But it's a little different because here in Iowa, we can't run dogs for deer and hogs. And we got to do a little bit of that. About a week or two after that, I went on a road trip with a new friend to meet up with a bunch of girls who were complete strangers in Enid, Oklahoma, with The Outfit, Oklahoma, to do a little crane and duck hunting, which was epic. And Jacob and I just recently got back from Arkansas, where we did a little timber duck hunting with Wilson Brothers Guide Service. And that was incredibly special. I haven't been timber hunting since I was little. And just keeping you updated with how my hunting and life has been going out here in Iowa. Uh, What I've been doing in between, what I'm working on, what I hope for for the future. My first solo episode and I think I got enough to keep you guys pretty busy and I can't wait to share. I hope you guys enjoy my stories and getting you caught up in my life. Here we go. I'll listen to episode number seven you know that last year was my first time coon hunting and if you follow along on my journey on social media or on this podcast you will also know that I pretty much got hooked since then and I have been coon hunting nonstop for the last year it surprises me all the time and I Honestly, if you would have said a year ago that I was going to enter into a coon hunting competition, I would have told you you were wrong. I'm working with a nine-year-old dog named Monster, and I absolutely love him. Uh, <clears throat> we had a bond right away, and he has the heart of four dogs half his age. He wants to just hunt and go, and he loves it, and I love being his handler, um, so after that first competition, even though I didn't win, I knew I was going to hunt with him again. <clears throat> I thoroughly enjoy it. The, the dogs make all the difference. I think that is true for me with pheasant hunting and different types of hunting. When you, when you have a connection with a dog and, and they want to partner with you and do good for you, it just feels extra special. But since my first coon hunting competition, I competed again and I actually won my first one two weeks ago uh, with a club out of Wellman, Iowa who is with a bunch of guys that are the reason that I love coon hunting so much. They are the ones who have taught me everything, taking me alongside of them and make me feel like part of the family. I have gone with Jacob to a lot of coon hunting competitions in different states and have been exposed to quite a bit in a short period of time. And so I already felt like a lot of the people I don't know as well, I, I, you know, I feel familiar with and they want to see me be successful and that is super cool. My first coon hunting competition, one of the people I competed against in my cast was a kid that I've seen out at competitions with his grandfather before. I typically see him, his sister and his grandfather and I've seen them in multiple parts of Iowa, Missouri and different states uh, competing. And I just thought that was the neatest thing. He, I was competing against him and his dog, his sister walked along on my first competition and I got to chat them up and get to know their story about how long they've been hunting with their grandpa and their mom and they've been going since they could just fit on their shoulders. Uh, and they just love it. Like, these kids just love it. And what a freaking cool thing that they get to do with their grandfather. They, they know how lucky they are, and they're so incredibly sweet. And it was really cool to get to know them finally after seeing them at other competitions in my first hunt. <clears throat> well, full, full circle, the competition that I won a couple weeks ago, the granddaughter actually competed against me. And she was the one who spotted my coon that won Monster and I the competition. So after I win, I thank her for, you know, thank, thanks for finding my coon and she just smiles and shakes my hand and says, you know, there's not a lot of us women coon hunters, we have to stick together. Mind you, these kids are like 14 and 15 years old and it was just such a cool thing to hunt alongside of them the first time and you know, to win and have her be so supportive and wanting to see me successful. I know that's not how it always goes in coon hunting competitions, but I have a little family um, with with the crew in Wellman, Iowa, and I absolutely love them and they have made me wanna keep going. Jacob doesn't think I'm probably ready for some of the big time coon hunting competitions, and he's probably not wrong. Uh, I can get pretty cutthroat, but some words of wisdom I've heard multiple times is really it comes down to having the best dog and a little bit of luck and lucky for Monster and I a couple weeks ago, that's exactly what it was. So thank you for everyone in the coon hunting community who has been teaching me and supporting me and patient with me because there's a lot to learn and <clears throat> it's it's a special group of people who are pretty tight knit and I am honored to be a part of it. I hope that through this podcast I've put some light into coon hunting and how actually incredible it is. And I really hope that it sticks around, the sport sticks around and continues to thrive or, or does thrive. Cause I, I think it's something that a lot of people can't wrap their head around and I want that to change. End of October, I went on a little Monday morning pheasant hunt with Adam from episode 23 and Kate from episode 25. If you listened to the episodes or didn't, Adam is on a road trip across the United States with his bird dog, Tucker. He is originally from Georgia and living in Colorado and traveling the U.S., meeting up with friends and strangers alike, doing some upland hunting and writing about it and taking amazing pictures and telling the story online. He's a really interesting, laid-back dude, and getting to meet him in person was, was super cool. You know, sometimes getting to know someone through social media, it can be weird to meet them in person, and he's a real deal. I'm really grateful that I got to meet him and hunt with him. Super cool. And Kay, I kind of know her. She's a little closer by, but I never had gotten to really talk to her for long periods of time or hunt with her at all. And to get to do that with her and Adam together was super cool, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that we hunted at Highland Hideaway, which is the hunting preserve that Kate and her husband run and own together uh, in Riverside, Iowa. So we met Adam there. His dad, Adam's dad, drove from Georgia to come hunt with us as well. We had four bird dogs and we had a great time. And I think there is something to starting your week like that because I'm telling you it was a Monday I took a few hours off work uh to go do this and super grateful that my boss even though she is not a hunter was like yeah sounds super neat take take a few hours and do that I was so productive guys after that hunt because I just felt so light and stress-free and so happy and so proud that this podcast had brought together um these personalities and we connected and and did this this hunt together it was just so cool and now I have these people that you know are friends that I'm cheering on and who are in my corner and want to see me be successful like I want to see them be successful I cannot wait to hunt with them again and I'm sure it's going to happen and I have said this before but there's a lot you can get from starting a podcast right And I mean, it can be a financial gain, it can be sponsorships and getting your story out there, but honestly, the people I've met and connected with and like authentic connection and genuine friendships are things I didn't even know I needed or wanted. I'm so blessed to have and this hunt really confirmed that for me. Uh, Just how fun life can be and how you can just connect with people for real and enjoy yourself. It was such a beautiful day. Uh, Highland is a beautiful preserve. It has great habitat. Getting to know more of Adam's story and seeing his fun banter with his dad and talking to Kate about the preserve and um, how passionate she is about what the work that they're doing there all of it it's hard to describe but to just get to spend a few hours of that doing something i love with people that are as cool as they are so 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 grateful so check out episode 23 and 25 check out all of them if you haven't but Uh, hear their stories, get to know these people, and maybe that would shed some light on how freaking badass it was to have a hunt with these folks because they are incredible, impactful humans. And I can... I just can't say enough about them. Go check it out. Okay, so my next trip, Jacob and I did a little road trip to Johnsonville, South Carolina. To give you perspective... Johnsonville, from where we are in Iowa, is about 16 and a half hours. I'm a road warrior, Jacob, not so much, but we did it. On the way there, we stopped uh, at night and stayed uh, in a cute little hotel on the river in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And that was a beautiful place. We actually got a detour uh, through the mountains and probably added another drive an hour, another hour to our drive. But along the way, we saw um, a couple trucks with dog boxes with big platforms on top and huge antennas. And Jacob was like, I wonder if they're running, running bears, if they're bear hunting. So of course, we stop and we chat this guy up. And that's, of course, what they were doing was bear hunting. And they talked a little bit about the season and um limitations and how big the bears are and he was more than happy to talk to us about it and you know of course out of it jacob got some information and is following the guy on facebook so hopefully we can come back to tennessee and do some bear hunting uh, with dogs but that was just a little (laughs) side detour on the way to south carolina we went out there to stay with a good friend of Jacobs and who has become a good friend of mine, Ryan Eady, who's one of the co-owners of Havoc Hunting Supply. Havoc Hunting Supply is where we go to for our boots and our chaps and our vests, our calls, our leads and our leashes for uh, coon hunting. So it's a great place for houndsmen specifically. You can get your tracking collars there as well. They're awesome guys. Ryan, who's in South Carolina, um, and then there's also Stephen Smith, who is in Georgia, and they're just really great people and have been very supportive of Jacob for a long time and then of me and just me getting my message out there and talking about the outdoors. I I love them, and I give them plugs all day, so I'll I'll put a link for their website in this episode as well. But we were staying with ryan in south carolina on his family's property and we stayed in this cute little cabin with like this flooded timber behind us and you know put in perspective i'm from the midwest and i've really only hunted in the midwest so sometimes i forget how different the terrain is going to be, and how much scarier the predators are in other states so when we get there i'm thinking to myself i'm thinking there's gators here and there's hogs here and there's bears here and what the hell am i getting myself into like am i prepared for this i started to get a little nervous but everyone reassured me with the temperatures dropping that it's too cold for gators and not to mention the cottonmouths uh the cottonmouth snakes i've heard lots about them as well uh but you know honestly didn't run into a lot of issues at all but it was always in the back of my mind the purpose for us going out to south carolina was to go deer and hog hunting, but specifically by running dogs. Now that's not something you can really do in Iowa. Uh, so it's really intrigued me, especially with coon hunting. It's exposed me a little bit to what that looks like, but this is next level. The guys that took us hog hunting and deer hunting are next level. And it was like nothing I've ever experienced. And I think, um, it is underestimated how much time and money and how passionate these people are about what they do. It's incredible. So, hog hunting in particular was one of the most intense things I've ever done. You let the dogs go and you wait for them to bark, hit the track where they have located a hog right they located the uh, hot scent and they're they're going after them and the handlers know when the dogs have you know they found a trail they're getting off the trail when they actually find the hog they're listening for that similar to coon hunting or any type of hunting running dogs so once these this first group of dogs finds the hogs as we get closer they let another group of dogs go that are typically going to be like pit bulls or bulldogs that are actually going to corner the hogs and latch onto them. So it's at night and we are waiting for kind of the command back from the dogs. And one of the guys, Jacob's buddy, Carson, we're leaning up against a tree and he looks at me, he goes, you hear that? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you ready? I was like, yeah. And then before I could even get, yeah, out of my mouth, Carson and all the guys are sprinting through these woods. And this is kind of swampy woods. So again, back of my mind, I'm thinking, this is how I go. This is where a gator snatches me up from the shallow water in this timber, and I'm never to be found again. Because out there, I'm pretty sure you could never be found again. <laughs> and we're sprinting, and we come up to the sound of the dogs grabbing onto the pigs, and you can hear um, squealing and, and this like deep groan of like a, what you I would assume is a large hog, um, and the dogs cornering them. And, um, you know, oftentimes the guys were telling me to always keep a tree between me and where I think the pig is coming from because they will just beeline it, uh, for you. And they have these large like teeth or large cutters that can absolutely kill a person. So it was just intense and heart racing the entire time and (laughs) ended up getting a couple hogs from it, a couple small ones, but it, it it, it didn't even matter. I've never done anything like that. Um, it, it was so intense and adrenaline pumping and these dogs freaking love it. They love it. They live for it. And I think if you get the opportunity to see that for yourself and understand it, uh, you, you definitely should. And I'm gonna, That's going to be a repeat thing throughout this episode, because I have experienced a lot of cool stuff this last month. And I think that, um, I, I think that if you are interested in any of these things, I think you should go for it, but I'm always a big advocate for that. So we also deer hunted with dogs. And that was particularly neat because again, in Iowa, we really don't have hunting clubs. And what I mean by hunting clubs is everyone's putting a pool of money together to have a membership and have access to land to hunt where they get together on a regular basis and they spend all day together and go hunting. It's just, it's just really not much of a thing in Iowa because we don't have the right seasons available to do that or the right landscape. And out there they have such big woods, uh, you can go miles and miles and and really not run into people uh, if you wanted to. So we go to this hunting club and it's a bunch of mostly men uh, gathered around and there's like a grill outside and they're all just chit-chatting and all the trucks have big uh, dog boxes on the back and huge antennas on the front and you can hear CB radios like crackling through their trucks and Everyone loads up and hits different roads. And the CB radios go crazy as they're telling each other where they're located. And they let all of their dogs go. And again, like the hogs, they're waiting for the dogs to get on a track. And we are busting it down these roads and following where these dogs are going. And they're listening to hear when they finally get that deer and they're running that deer. So they the dogs run those deer to you. And these years are book in it. Like it is so fast. I'll just openly say right now I had one go right by me and I didn't even see it. And I think I just broke everybody's heart. Um, so that was not a good look for me. But that deer waited until my I rotated my back just slightly and ran right behind me. And I didn't get a shot at it. But it's an all day thing. We started roughly around eight in the morning and we didn't get done until dark. A lot of it is unloading I think our friend Carson had a dozen dogs that he brought with. So you're letting all these dogs go. They're chasing these deer to a corner or to a road that everyone, you know, part of the party's waiting on. And, you know, if, if we miss the deer or if we get the deer, you have to catch now all those dogs, put them back in the dog box and start over again. So it's very time consuming. It's a lot of work, but it is a lot of fun. There is a lot of downtime and... It is really neat to hear them all, like, getting excited and hooping and hollering through the CB radio at each other. And we'd go down these different roads and there'd be, you know, families there getting together and just eating and snacking and waiting on the dogs. And it's an all-day event. And at the end of it, when everyone's got their dogs loaded up, they go back to the hunting club and they make food together and they watch the football game and just chat about life. And you can tell they're from kind of, like, all sorts of, like, parts of the area and all very different people, and they just bond over this. And I just think that's really special and not like a lot of things I've experienced. The tradition is strong, and the wanting to pass it on is strong, and... That is really exciting to me because that's something I care about a lot. That's why I do this is I want to trigger something in somebody to make them get out there and do the thing and realize how awesome it is. And maybe it'll be good for their soul <laughs> or it'll be good for their connection with their loved one or their kid um, and, and it empowers them like I hope it does. And that type of environment definitely made me just want to keep doing this more, uh, It was such a cool thing. Um, Again, hunting with dogs, like, these folks, like, own dozens of dogs. Um, Their dogs are sometimes in harm's way, uh, which I know can cause controversy. But I am telling you, these dogs live for this shit. Like, whether they're deer dogs or hog dogs or a mixture of both or probably bear dogs or coon hunting dogs, most of them absolutely want to be there and that's all they want to do they live for this just like their handlers and I think if you get a chance to do any sort of hunting with dogs absolutely should now of course I say absolutely should but definitely do your homework know what you're getting yourself into I don't feel like this is the kind of sport that you can just decide to do one day. Uh, But if you have a chance to go somewhere and experience it, I think it's something unique and different and definitely check it out. Jacob and I also broke up the day by going to sit in elevated stands and rifle hunt for deer. Out there, there is a lot of timber. And you actually can bait for deer in South Carolina. So we baited for some does over, over corn. We ended up shooting a couple does, uh, actually pretty big does for South Carolina. If you've ever compared deer from Iowa to South Carolina, body wise, they are significantly smaller in South Carolina. So actually... It was crazy, like, walking in and out of the woods. There was one time we were walking in the dark, and I could not figure out what these, like, set of eyes were that were staring at me. And, again, back of my head, there's a whole bunch of monsters in South Carolina that don't exist in Iowa. I'm like, Jacob, what are those? And he's like, those are deer. And quite a few, like, of the deer we saw were so small in comparison body-wise to the ones in Iowa. Um, But there is a – if I had to guess, there's a lot more of them in South Carolina than there is in Iowa. So we got a couple does, uh, with our rifles from a stand. And I actually have never done that either. Uh, so that was a new experience and a really cool and special thing to share with Jacob. I want to do all these trips justice, but it is so difficult because I think each trip could have its own episode, (laughs) but South Carolina was, um, I've never, I had never been there. I had never ran uh, dogs for hog hunting or deer. I haven't rifle hunted for deer from a stand um, over corn before. I've rifle hunted some in Missouri in the past. Uh, The folks down there were awesome, had some really great food, great experiences, fresh pecans from a, a pecan tree, stories that... You wouldn't hear unless you put yourself out there and just interesting people end of november a friend and and i her name is megan we uh, did a little road trip as well to enid oklahoma where we hunted with the outfit oklahoma and we did a, crane hunting and duck hunting and holy moly was this like action-packed crazy intense oh my god I I just want to start by saying that it's not all about just like getting your limit and making a pile of animals. Like that's not what hunting is about. It's not what it's about for me. And it doesn't make me, um, I don't want to quit when I have unsuccessful in quotation hunts. Okay. But I have rarely had a hunt like this where it is pretty much nonstop action (laughs) and it just it just hits you different and gets you excited. So I had never Sandhill Crane hunted before. It was something that I was really curious about. But um, this opportunity came up when Megan brought it up to me. And I, I didn't want to say no. Uh, it a, it's her. And at the time of her asking, her and I had not met. I uh, hunted with each other a couple times between then and uh, when we went to Oklahoma. And luckily got along really well. But we met up with a bunch of girls we didn't know. The girls were from Louisiana, Virginia, and Michigan. And I honestly feel like we walked away with (laughs) new friends. And I've said that before, but it's the truth. These girls, um, you know, all different types of hunting that they're interested in, but all of them are very legit and badass and had big hearts and great personalities. (laughs) and that that made the hunt in itself because there's nothing you know no matter how good of how good a hunt goes if you don't like the people that you're hunting with it can get it can it can ruin it and that was not the case these girls were amazing and the outfitters were incredible as well but sandhill crane hunting was um so different and you know they're they look like pterodactyls (laughs) And they have an attitude and they make this very unique sound, uh, that I don't know that I would ever forget, but I, I can't replicate it all. Um, and we end, we ended up getting our limit of cranes, which is three a person. And the hype about Sandhill Crane is that it's the ribeye of the sky, that it's delicious. And I wanted to know what that was about. And that hype is real guys. Like that is the real thing. Crane is some of the best meat I've ever had. Uh, It's delicious. It's very similar um, to beef uh, or even maybe like a deer backstrap. I know I hate to say that, that's probably one of my favorites, but it really, really is. And I am actually getting one of the cranes mounted from that hunt, so I'm pretty excited about that. Don't know where the hell I'm gonna put it, but it's happening. I skipped right into the crane hunt talking about Enid, Oklahoma because the crane hunt was so beautiful and special to me and it's what I think about over and over again from that trip. Um, It's probably hard to explain because really the way I am portraying it, it's probably just like any other bird hunt, uh, but they're big, beautiful birds. They, you can see them from a further distance and you feel like they're just about to land and, you know, 20 minutes later they finally land because it takes them some time to come in and kind of just watching them, uh, is spectacular and seeing their beauty in person and in your hand is crazy. But I skipped right over, uh, you know, talking about the Outfit Oklahoma, the outfitters who were who made this all happen so they renovated an old church so on the outside it looks like an old church still but you come inside and it's wide open and um kind of a minimalist style but so beautiful uh beautiful kitchen hardwood floors the bedrooms are adorable all kind of individual photos and um, waterfowl taxidermy in each room and they had their little Yellow Lab puppy, his name is Iso, right when you walk in the door. So, of course, I'm making all these weird noises and just distracted by the cuteness. And they also had a Yellow Lab named Stoli, who was an awesome bird dog that we had in our duck hunt later uh, that weekend. But the environment was awesome, and Megan and I got there a little bit earlier, and eventually the girls roll in. And, like I mentioned, they were all from different states. All completely different personalities and backgrounds in hunting, but all very much passionate about it and have been around the block a couple times. And I think there's like this initial kind of feeling each other out period as far as like how much like are we going to bond, get along? And I feel like that lasted seconds. Like it wasn't long before we're all sitting around joking, laughing, having food together, talking about hunting, talking about our lives and skip the small talk and get right into the good stuff. And... Having people around you like that, I don't know if that happens all the time, and to have it happen on a whim uh, with a bunch of strangers and a hunt and a hunting uh, a waterfowl hunt where you're all kind of shooting into piles of birds and not know who's going to claim what and not know how they're going to take it or if they're going to pull their weight or if they're going to cheer you on or if they're going to be a, you know a, a decent shot or they're going to criticize you for mistakes like you don't know those things going into a group of strangers, and I did not worry about any of that with these girls um they were great in supportive of humans and without a doubt would call them my friends <clears throat> we had a duck hunt one afternoon duck and goose hunt uh where we got a little rained on it wasn't as uh successful as far as numbers go but the constant um seeing like seeing birds flying over just different breeds of and species of uh ducks and geese overhead and constant action was awesome listening to the guys call the conversation we had in the meantime like even the hunt that wasn't um making piles was was really fun but the last morning that megan and i were there we had a duck hunt that was so intense again in iowa we have decent duck hunting like we duck hunt out here goose hunt out here all the time but you're not going to see hundreds of of ducks, typically, Um, even in, like, the best spots, like, that's not a thing, so that last morning, we got 41 ducks (laughs) in a short period of time, and, you know, mostly mallards, but we had some uh, teal pintails and wigeons as well, and some really cool stories, were shared and had about, you know, what some of these like birds mean to different people. And one in particular was, um, a gal named Casey. She was telling us a story of a father figure in her life and that had, you know, passed away. That, uh, was really the one she leaned on for waterfowl hunting. And they, um, had talked about shooting a widgeon in the past. So when she, was a part of shooting this beautiful drake widgeon and got to hold it in her hand and seeing that the tears well up and like the emotion behind that hunt and how it was so much more than again just killing something um it was a connection to that person that was important to her life someone that motivated her and wanted her to keep going and, and doing what she loves to do and and that's what it's about and i'm lucky to have been a part of something like that. And the very most recent trip, Jacob and I went to Arkansas to hunt with Wilson brothers guide service to do some duck hunting. And what was so special about this was it was a really quick trip. It was basically a day and a half and we did timber hunting. So for those of you who don't know what that is, you stand in the water in a flooded timber and lean up against against the trees for camo mostly. And then the birds come in from up above and then they start just dancing and flying through those trees from different angles. And kind of like what I talked about with Oklahoma, this was so different. Like there were thousands... Of birds, and I'm not exaggerating with the thousands. There were thousands of birds. I've never, I've never seen that amount of ducks before, and uh, not all of them came down to where we were, obviously. Or you would have seen some pictures of just <laughs> crazy amounts of ducks from from me. But uh, you just see all different species uh, at different levels in the sky, and some of them are just like soaring through those trees and going all over the place zigzagging and landing and popping up and making all these sounds and it's just like nothing you've probably seen if you haven't hunted in arkansas <laughs> never hunted in arkansas it's crazy again you know in iowa like you just don't get a show like that and i don't think many places you do For those who don't waterfowl hunt, who are listening to this, Arkansas is kind of that uh, place that you go to for that timber hunting experience. And the Wilson brothers, Drew and Hunter were incredible. We spent most of our time um, in the timber with Hunter, but we got to know uh, and spend some time with Drew as well and their dog, Oakley, and got to meet some of their family and they just chit chatted with us. It, It was a great time. And again, I always come back to the people, guys, because really, with all my trips, you know, whether they were successful or not, animal wise, the people you spend your time with before, after, and during the hunt is everything. Uh, you know, you can have a great time without good company, but it makes it a hell of a lot better when it's when it's with good people. And this was no different. Uh, we all we you know we got a show of a lifetime. You know arkansas timber hunting is something that i think is on a lot of people's bucket list and it was really special to me because the first time i ever went hunting i i was five years old and my dad took me duck hunting in iowa and we were in uh kind of a flooded timber so i haven't timber hunted since i was little little and i vividly remember that and just thinking about those birds what felt like just dancing through the trees and zigzagging everywhere And that was just really special to me. And I got a slightly choked up for a second when we were out there because it just clicked with me that that's what got me hooked in the first place. That was what clicked in my head at such a young age that hunting is really important to me. It was going to be part of my life. And so that was just something for me that I didn't really see coming. I, I just took, it just all of a sudden, like took my breath away thinking about it standing there my feet are frozen in the water and I'm like almost in tears but I kept it together but it was a really special hunt and you know that would have been special on its own but those people uh the the Wilson family treated us really well and were a lot just just a lot of fun to be around and really good company to keep and it was really special to have that with Jacob uh, we're really lucky to do this stuff together and enjoy doing these things together. And I'm really grateful to have a partner who can can keep up. <laughs> but sometimes I have a hard time keeping up with him. <laughs> but Arkansas is special. There's not a lot out there. Um, you know, a lot of small towns, very similar to Oklahoma and South Carolina both. Uh, not a lot of not a lot going on, but the community is strong and the hunting industry or hunting community excuse me is is strong and and special and i think vital to those areas and what i want to say about all of this is i am very aware of how lucky i am to be able to do stuff like this and how this isn't something that everyone gets to do and i get a lot of comments and questions about uh you know do i do i work how do i do this or it must be nice or geez you sure hunt a lot and i i know i don't have to explain myself but i definitely want to because i don't want to create any sort of false image i work a full-time job and i also do some other things on the side i have a very full plate and i keep myself very busy and sometimes a little too busy uh, with you know the podcast and with some coaching and other you know big goals and dreams i have and other businesses I I, I want to have outside of my full-time job. I am lucky to have a significant other that loves to adventure with me. I'm really lucky to have a job that I have good benefits and good vacation, and I can take some time off and flexibility to work around that, especially in these times of COVID, I realized how lucky I am. Uh, But, you know, just some things to think about, you know, if you're listening to this and, I'm getting amped up to go do things and try things I don't I want to make sure that I'm encouraging people to live their life like there's a lot of reasons not to do things but there's also you only need a couple to do them and this is the one life that you have and hunting is very very important to me um, it's not just a vacation uh, there's a lot of drive time involved a lot of sacrifice involved. You know, I'm using that time. I'm using all my money towards hunting. Um, I, there's a lot of things I don't get done. I don't have children right now. And again, I have a very flexible, uh, significant other who is supportive of what I love to do and loves to do that stuff with me. And it, it's still hard though. There are things that I don't do or people I don't get to spend as much time with because I'm choosing to do the things that I love so much. So there is a difficult sacrifice part to all of this but I think when something is so important to you and is a part of your heart you have to make time for that for yourself and I just want to also stress that because there's a lot of it that looks like it's um it's like glorified online you know I try to be as honest and un- on honest and authentic as I can be uh, and tell the truth about you know, the miserable parts and the great parts, (laughs) but people see and hear what they want to see and hear, And I want you to know both parts of it. But I think if, you know, (laughs) a crane hunt, a duck hunt and a timber duck hunt, hog hunting, deer hunting is on your list. Travel's on your list. This trip is, Hey, I'm going to do this someday. If you can figure out how to do it sooner rather than later, I hope you do. Because again, Life is short and precious and you need to have some fun. Don't throw all the responsibilities out the door. Absolutely, I'm not saying that, but you have to enjoy yourself at some point. And I feel like I'll get a lot of uh, hate for that. But, um, you know, easy for me to say because there's things that responsibilities I don't have. Um, but there's a lot that I do and a lot of sacrifices that go with it, but I am extremely blessed and I am one of the lucky ones to have family, friends that support it and a lifestyle that can support it. Uh, but go, go, go is not always the answer either. So there is a, it's a double edged sword, but these trips were, I just had one hell of a month, one hell of a month. On top of when I'm back home, you know, Jacob and I are trapping and deer hunting and goose hunting and doing a lot of stuff back in Iowa that we love to do as well. And so it's it's nonstop. It is nonstop. We are hunting all the time, but it's the season. It goes by so fast and it's what we love to do. I know I did not do these trips or these people the justice I wanted to in my mind. And I'm trying so hard because you really have to see to believe and put yourself out there to experience it the way that I experienced it. And these folks, all of them, from every story I've told you about, from coon hunting, pheasant hunting, South Carolina, Oklahoma, and Arkansas, I now have a plethora of. Freaking incredible human beings that I get to share my excitement and my life with, and uh, you know, it wouldn't happen if I I didn't put myself out there, and I hope that a sliver of this has made you want to try something, look into something, has been uh, motivating or just fun to hear me ramble and banter. Because guys, it's been so long and I want to produce such a good episode, but there's so much going on in my brain. Um, But I can't say enough about how much I appreciate your listenership and support and friendship and just being here with me this last year. It has been crazy, (laughs) crazy. And there's so, so much exciting stuff coming and so many good guests. And I am so grateful for all of you for listening to my story and listening to theirs. I wish you the happiest of holidays and I love you guys so very much. See what's out there. Until next time.